What is the Podcaster Matrix? The Podcaster Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. Medicine has progressed over time, turning often certain death into at least a chance at life. What if one didn't need to consult with doctors, visit hospitals, or consider medicine at all, but instead put their faith in something more cultural? Would you be willing to put your future into the hands of a medicine man? What would be the benefits? No matter what they might be, have you also considered what it would cost. It's time for the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and always educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series, this time season two, episode 24, The Shaman's Apprentice. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Some super quick housekeeping. A focus on death, life, and those left behind. I just finished producing, capturing, and tossing through the editing machine a wonderful episode of the Digitally Dispatch podcast that focuses on suicide. Digitally Dispatch host Lisa Moore, who is a 911 police dispatcher, recently shared the story of a young teen who took his own life. And while suicide isn't going to be some sort of mystery to anybody that's listening to this podcast, what often is forgotten is how impactful something like suicide is on those that are left behind. And it's not always the family. It's not always the immediate friends. It's often people like a police dispatcher that live with those things too. And so I would very much like for everyone that's listening to this podcast to, after you're done here, take the time to listen to the Digitally Dispatch podcast that focuses on the case of a teenage son, a closet, and a life cut short. You can listen to it now by going over to digitallydispatch.com, or you can click on the link in the show notes inside this episode. Cancer and Animals Cancer is mentioned at least a couple of times inside this episode, and another podcast that we've recently finished and rolled out is one that deals with veterinary cancer and how a lot of the things that are happening inside of the research and clinical trials that deal with veterinary oncology often then graft the process if not leading the process into what happens with humans. That episode is an episode of the Animal Academy podcast with host Allison White. You can find that episode and learn all kinds of details about clinical trials that are happening all over the United States over at animalacademypodcast.com. Nick, let's get to the retail inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time it's season two, episode 24 the shaman's apprentice an operation is taking place it's one of the many operations that a dr lamar the man with a one percent mortality rate has completed just today as he operates he's delivering verbal tidbits to the three residents one of which is a local man dr white cloud an iroquois healer with a clinic right down the street but that's not important right now the three continue observing Dr. Lamar's duties as White Cloud and Lamar are tossing verbal barbs to and fro. And then the blood pressure on his patient starts to crash. Well, that's what happens when you nick an artery. 
Whoops! According to Dr. Lamar, they're operating on a derelict wino. A charity case. And nothing is gonna go well. They're losing him. But he avoids a stroke and death. He lives, but is a vegetable. Dr. Lamar and Dr. Whitecloud continue their ongoing argument in the back scrub room. Medicine isn't perfect, shouts Dr. Lamar. You're a butcher, spots Dr. Whitecloud. You won't prescribe as much as an aspirin inside this hospital, retorts Lamar. Finally, as Lamar exits the room, the two other witnessing residents also depart, leaving the community medicine man alone to ponder his future. Later at the Iroquois Reservation, just outside of town, an Indian man in full ceremonial headdress is dancing, chanting, blowing dust, and trying to help a certain Mr. Harrison, a rich man with a terrible heart condition who is unable to walk, that wants to walk again. Will he, with the help of this Iroquois Reservation shaman? We'll have to wait and see, Mike. The chanting and dancing and blowing of dust continues, and the shaman beckons for him to walk. But he can't. The Indian chanting, healing vibes, and general goodness from the shaman do not heal Mr. Harrison. White Cloud arrives at the reservation and... <gasps> White Cloud is the shaman's grandson? There's clearly tension between the shaman, whose name is Spotted Owl, and his grandson, White Cloud. White Cloud visits with his sister, and they have a conversation about the future and what could be done considering his current and future medical circumstances. She leads him with a torch into a cave. It is a skeletal well filled with awesome. Skulls and skeletons of all kinds line the walls. White Cloud is amazed and spies... A shaman's rattle, the symbol of a shaman's power over life and death. He unveils it, and it rattles. The torches on the walls come alive. A symbolic figure smokes eerily into place. Suddenly, we're in full flashback mode, where a sacrifice is occurring. With a quick, stabby stab, the flashback shaman takes one life and delivers new life from the one taken to a young man that rises from the depths of sickness, reborn with the life taken and bestowed upon him. The flashback ends, and White Cloud slips the new tool of death into his jacket and is now familiar with its truly dark gift. That was some great exposition. And some killer effects. Asterisk. White Cloud then visits the hospital, looking in on the patient that was nearly lost from Dr. Lamar's buffoonery. What's this? It's resident number three, one of the many other people that don't like Dr. White Cloud. He's checking in on the patient's status also. After a few retorts about how White Cloud shouldn't be on this floor, much less seeing this patient, White Cloud presents resident three with a new tool in the war on life, the rattle. White Cloud begins to roll the rattle inside of both hands, much like Ralph Macchio inside the second Karate Kid movie. It then levitates all on its own, on mostly clear wires, into the air. Resident number three watches and stares at its brilliance and is slowly realizing that the chants he hears are not the ones he wants to hear at all because they are the thundering chimes of death's arrival. Oh, my head hurts. Resident number three's temple glistens with pressure and... A ruptured artery is the only gift the rattle has for our dear resident number three. He dies in a pool of blood on the floor as the rattle returns to White Cloud's clutches. The patient in the room, left over from Dr. Lamar's apparent butchery, near to death himself, suddenly awakens and is fully recovered. Meanwhile, at the Curious Goods shop, Mickey is going to visit a friend. She's over at the hospital. Her name is Blair. Things don't look too good. Young, with chest pains, and she's in Riverview General Hospital? My goodness, that's the same hospital that Dr. Whitecloud used to work in and still apparently has access to anytime but, he wants. But she doesn't know that. We know that, but she doesn't know that. The news comes in. Blair's got sarcoma, lung cancer. Mickey is devastated, and the prognosis is 
In about two months, I'll be as well off as Vera over there. She points to the older woman across the room that is clearly in decline. There's only a 1% chance of survival. Elsewhere in the hospital, White Cloud and resident number two are talking about what's going on inside the hospital. You see, it's all about money. And soon, if White Cloud doesn't get in line, they'll end up closing the medical clinic. Resident number two also mentions that resident number three blew out an artery recently. Hmm, what a shame. Life ain't fair, shitty circumstances, and all that jazz. Dr. White Cloud walks in to talk to Vera, Blair's hospital roommate. As Dr. Whitecloud offers comfort, he and Dr. Lamar have yet another confrontation. Lamar eventually tells him that he's not to return, as does his smart-ass nurse, Nurse Meredith. Later that night, during a strange Canadian lightning storm, Whitecloud arrives and confronts the smart-ass nurse with the now floaty shaman's rattle. She starts to choke. <coughs> She can't breathe. And then she begins to vomit her innards out, including her heart. Back in Blair and Vera's hospital room, White Cloud arrives with the now recently juiced up rattle. The incantations of Indian Awesome begin, followed by grand lightning, gaping eyes, and a wind machine as Vera is apparently given new life. Though in a groggy, drug-induced state, Blair witnesses all of it. Is it a dream? Is it real? Blair doesn't know, but we do. It is real. It's dark. It's cursed activity. It's Friday the 13th, the series. The next morning, Dr. Lamar finds a cured Vera? Dr. Lamar continues to deliver his questionable bedside manner. Vera grabs her bag and tells Blair that she too needs to see Dr. White Cloud. Mickey arrives, and Blair delivers a short info dump session where she shares all of the details of witnessing Vera's miraculous event and ability to walk out of the hospital fully healed. Mickey hears all of it. Is it a dream? Is it real? Blair knows, and so do we. It is real. It's dark. It's cursed activity. It's still Friday the 13th, the, the series. Dr. Whitecloud now meets with Mr. Harrison, you know, the rich man who wants to be healed, that wasn't healed by Spotted Owl. And there is a deal to be made. A fully staffed and funded clinic for Mr. Harrison's ability to walk. It's a deal, but first, proof must be provided. More on that later inside this episode. Back at the Curious Good Shop, McGee, Brian, and Jack are all talking about the circumstances that detail the situation and, hmm, did Uncle Lewis handle anything from the Indian culture? <gasps> it's a rattle! It was sold to Spotted Owl? Oh, it's a medicine man four years ago on the Iroquois Reservation, oh yeah! Jack goes to visit Spotted Owl alone and sends Ryan to check in on Dr. Whitecloud as McGee sits and looks pretty. Later that afternoon, now on the reservation, Jack is detailing the situation with the shaman's rattle and that the only safe place for it is in the vault. Spotted Owl isn't having any of it. That rattle belongs to my tribe. I've held it in my hands and it does no harm. Not all men are good, Spotted Owl, Jack says. Nothing can change the integrity and wisdom of Spotted Owl's perspective and stance. The rattle will stay in a safe place, guarded by the ancient shaman spirits. Spotted Owl will get to the truth in his own way. Jack departs, and Spotted Owl plans his intervention. Jack and Spotted Owl's granddaughter have a conversation about how wise Spotted Owl is, but Jack is not sure it can be done and speeds off in the rolls. The bends. Later that evening, now Spotted Owl and his granddaughter are investigating the status of the rattle, and she confides in him that White Cloud has taken the rattle. Chanting begins around a fire, and the granddaughter is beginning a session where Spotted Owl asks his ancestors for a vision of what is currently going on. The fire erupts, and smoke and chanting delivers knowledge to Spotted Owl of a hospital hallway. Dr. Lamar, White Cloud, and the rattle! White Cloud can sense his grandfather's presence and heads back 
to visit with another patient that Dr. Lamar just did surgery on. One that, according to many, will change the way medicine is perceived. But the rattle doesn't have any interest in fostering medicine. It wants a life and takes it. The grandfather witnesses the grizzly taking of life remotely and is crestfallen. Marshak was right. The next day, Mr. Harrison, you know, the rich man that also wants to be healed, brings a boy who apparently has the same illness that he has, and out comes the rattle. Back in the hospital, Blair is pining for a cure, for a way to feel better. She can't take the drugs that are being pumped into her system. Mickey implores her, Don't quit on me now. It just takes time. But Dr. Whitecloud fixed the woman in one night. Blair is steadfast on meeting with Dr. Whitecloud, who is now walking out of the clinic with a fully recovered boy. As he does so, Mr. Harrison, you know, the rich guy that wanted to be healed, says his accountants will be in touch. And out pops one Ryan Dalian. Ryan confronts Whitecloud about his healing one of the patients over at the hospital. And Dr. Whitecloud quickly brushes Ryan aside Ryan returns to the shop to share the information and status with Jack, and in walks Mickey. She shares that there's been a third death, more unexpectedly healed people. It's all starting to add up. It's got to be the shaman's rattle, and they finally come up with the solution. Mickey's headed back to the hospital to find out more about White Cloud's history. Ryan wonders, why would White Cloud take advantage of the rattle? White Cloud and his sister are having an argument inside the clinic, and she shares... Out of the blue, that tonight, Spotted Owl will be having a ceremony to remove the rattle's power. Probably not the best person to tell. Back at the hospital, Mickey is getting the 411 from resident number two, and she learns that Lamar hates White Cloud's general sense of wanting to help people. Silly doctors and all, being all helpy and whatevers. Hmm, things are continuing to come together. Mickey goes to visit Blair, who is packing her things to leave the hospital. Back on the res, Spotted Owl is once again visiting with Jack, but no one will survive a fight with the rattle. Death is a journey I'm not afraid to take. Return tomorrow. I will bring back the rattle, or my granddaughter will show you how to defeat him. Yeah, that's a great plan. Perhaps he should start with that whole last solution figuring it out thing instead, but you know what, that's not important right now. Later that evening, the time has come to have White Cloud give up the rattle. White Cloud refuses. No. And Spotted Owl begins to chant. Lightning shoots from his hands like the Emperor from Star Wars and Spotted Owl's power. But Spotted Owl's power cannot stop the power of the rattle. Spotted Owl crumbles to the ground, killed, not just by the rattle, but by a grandson's faith in a dark totem, cursed by the white man's devil. White Cloud confides with his grandfather's corpse. All I wanted was to be a great doctor, and now? Now they will understand just how much power I do have. The next day, Mr. Harrison, you know, the rich man that wants to be cured himself, is walking out of the clinic? Huh? It's time to rejoice. Finally, White Cloud will have his clinic and everything will be just fine. No, it won't. Dr. Lamar arrives to shut down the clinic because of the incident in the OR at the beginning of this episode. You, you guys remember that. And also has a legal document and some smart-ass comments. Oh, and by the way, gone is your medical license. Have a good day. I don't think that's how it works, Mike. That's definitely not how it works, but hey, it's 43-minute television. Mickey, Jack, and Ryan are talking about who the next victim might be, and Lamar is on deck. Jack asserts that they must intervene to save Lamar's life, but Mickey? Um, she's not so sure. He's a horrible person, and, and a worse doctor, and, and Blair is just so young, and... She can't finish the sentence, nor can we, because we know what must be done. Don't we? At the soon-to-be shuttered clinic, Blair is now visiting with Dr. White Cloud. Come back in a couple of days after I've prepared a few things, and we'll be ready. Later inside the hospital, Dr. White Cloud 
chloroforms? Dr. Lamar! <laughs> Jack, Ryan, and Mickey arrive to talk to Spotted Owl's granddaughter, who shares that Spotted Owl has been murdered! White Cloud has gone full native! Inside the hollowed shaman's cave lair, White Cloud, now in full headdress and duds, is preparing for yet another sacrifice. This time, it's Lamar, who has been strung upon a totem and will be the next tortured soul to experience the rattle's wrath. Cutting and screaming ensues. The granddaughter leads Jack, Ryan, and Mickey into the maw of the ceremonial cave of the shaman, where they hear Dr. Lamar screams. It's a blood sacrifice. We have to do this the right way. The granddaughter sneaks up and douses the fire propelling the sacrifice and says, Release these holy men to stop the process of white cloud. The fires around the cave grow and then spirits from those long gone by arrive. It is time you return to your people, my grandson. Says the spirit of Spotted Owl. Electrically charged clouds fill the room, and eventually their power strikes down White Cloud, who turns into a White Cloud. Gone from the scene, history, and this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. The rattle then falls to the floor, and Mickey grabs it. She then consoles the grieving granddaughter as Ryan and Jack free an injured Dr. Lamar. Later, Mickey is polishing the wooden posts inside the shop. Jack is wanting to console her, but Ryan notes that the rattle has been put back in the cave? Huh? Which unfortunately means that the item inside this episode is not recovered. Dr. Lamar will live, but Mickey shares that Blair is condemned to death. Mickey doesn't want to hear the moral arguments, but... It's just not up to us to play God, to choose someone else's time. Every episode of Friday the 13th has goods and bads. Let's focus on the goods. The Indian Rattle. This was tremendous. I love it when they bother to take the time to go and visit different cultures. In this case, it's Indian, i.e., Native American. Native American. And I I thought it was tremendous. It was so tremendous that we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we get into one of the perceived bads inside of this episode. The look of it uh, worked. I, I didn't quite think it looked Native American enough. I was looking for something different. I can't tell you exactly what I was looking for, but that wasn't it. Yeah. No, I, I would have to agree it. Sometimes less is more, mm-hmm. and we've had a handful of cursed objects that the simplicity of them were, was was fine. This one looked a, a, a little too simple. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, it's, I agree. It, it was all black, so black leather in the shape of a rattle with a stick with a, in it. With, well, right. With, well, it can't. It's not a rattle if it doesn't have a handle. Right. Maybe that should be one of our vocabulary words. Rattle. But uh, then the, the the very plain drawing of a face, I mean, come on. If you're, I've seen a lot of Native American artwork, and I, they can do better than that. Well, and they've done better than that. Right. The, the, the production design staff in uh, countless episodes at this point have really done their homework on, on I can't believe this good's turning into a bad, but the... Uh, the, the the detail that they've showcased in other things, even if it's only theatrical, has been brilliant. Mm-hmm. And so that it was so simple inside of this, you know, who knows? Maybe they actually based it on something that they actually found inside of. The, and that is possible. Yeah. That is possible. And the thing is, is that we may be we may be downing the aesthetic look of the rattle, mm-hmm. but but the cursedness of mm-hmm. and, the rattle, and, the and, fact and the that power. it's very simple. The power, yeah. you know, you take a life to give a life. We have had several items on this show that have that simple premise. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that it works. So, Rattle in the cursed category, thumbs up, could have looked a little bit more cursed, though. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the other thing I like, too, is that depending on who is wielding it, you then have something either in the good vein or you have something in the bad vein. Yeah. 
anyway, I love the culture. I love the dig into what we get here. It's just very, very short. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about that more inside this episode. A peek inside a different culture. Now, we've already talked a little bit about this with the rattle, but this is, for all intents and purposes, an alien culture. It's something completely stepped outside the box of Judaism. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's something completely different. It has freeform languages. It has all of its own history. It has all of its own totems. Haha. It has all of its mysticism. It has all of its own tradition. And I love being able to glimpse inside of something like that, inside of an episode like this show. Uh, this this one also reminds me of the feeling that I got watching Voodoo Mambo. Mm. Because we were gifted the chance to glimpse inside a culture that we know nothing about. Now, of course, Native American culture, if you if you want to learn about it nowadays, it's real easy. Jump on the Google machine and you can find out anything that you want to know about. But back then, you had to go to a, a thing called the library mm-hmm. and check out things that are called books. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have no shame in saying that I have a large amount of Native American in me from uh, my grandmother's side and from my grandfather's side, Irish. So, yay. I actually, fi- I, I was actually worried. I was, I was really worried that this episode was going to be, let's just say, culturally insensitive, and it wasn't. Despite the fact that they only ended up getting two Native American actors to play the the main two Native Americans, whereas the granddaughter, I don't think she was Native American at all. I mean, what are you trying to say, Nick? I'm trying to say that. <laughs> Did the budget only say we had it, enough? It was Were there weird. only two Native American actors available in Canada at the time? I, I don't know. <laughs> Again, that's 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 me nitpicking. I, I like I like the fact that I wasn't insulted. Yes. By the depiction of the Native American culture in this episode, I also like that they put some they put some they gave some sharp barbs from the other perspective. From, yeah, well, from I, both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I appreciate that mm-hmm. I, because I want that also. I, I want there, I want there to be some perspective that obviously is not something that's alien, right? That we do know about. That is something that is something to not forget about. Yeah, there's a lot of animosity, and it 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 definitely needs to be there because had White Cloud been this guy, well, you know, I want to live in the white man's world because that's where I can do the most good. No, he wanted to be a doctor because he felt. He could help people, but he hated living in the white man's world because all they saw him was a stupid Indian. Right. So it makes sense why his progression down the path of evil, you know, falling into the white man's devil's trap, mm-hmm. makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Yet he's still a somewhat sympathetic character in regards. Until he kills that uh, that, that, that patient that his only sin was he was operated, operated on by, by Lamar. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. It was at that point to where, oh, okay, well, see, now you're not killing assholes. I, I'm, I'm cool with you if you're just killing assholes to save good people. I'm okay with that. But once you just start killing innocent people, it's like, well, now you're the best. You are a monster. Sorry, but you're going to have to be destroyed by the end of this episode. The morality question. We kind of just, just answered it. Yeah, we yeah. yeah. <laughs> My morality is is that technically speaking, Lamar was an asshole, and did he deserve to die? And Blair should have lived. Sure. Yeah, I wasn't personally invested in Blair's survival, so why not? She's such a but, sympathetic character inside the right. Episode. Yeah, she was extremely sympathetic. <laughs> I, I felt the interpretation, and maybe it was because she she is, according to Mickey, so young. And here's a question for you. Why is Mickey hanging out with somebody that's so young? I, that I don't get. They, they don't really explain why they're friends or how they were friends. They, they went to the same college, just not the same year. At the same time. It right. Was, it, so, you know, because that's where all of her friends come Again, from. still doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> but but whatever. The morality question, especially coming from, from Mickey, this is something we've talked about in a handful of episodes where what do you do? I, I I love going back to this episode from mm-hmm. season one. What a mother wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. When it comes to saving a baby, I mean, I don't have children. I don't plan on having children, mm-hmm. but I don't want to see a small baby suffer. Right. So 
maybe in 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 a perfect world, this is what I would do. I would have a cursed item that did the whole take a life and give a life. But guess where I would be set up? I would be set up in a jail filled with death row prisoners, people who are going to die. They're going to be put to death. So instead of, you know, using the electric chair or lethal injection, some fun hangings and things like that, <laughs> instead of that, we use the cursed item and then we save people who deserve it. I'm saying it. That's the morality here. We save the good people, we kill the bad. Didn't, didn't the asshole doctor save somebody that would have not been able to be saved because of his skill set? Well, maybe this experience of him being put up on a totem and <laughs> tortured to almost to death. You're to be less of an asshole. Maybe, so your, maybe he will appreciate life. See, see, that's the thing. He should appreciate life, not the craft of saving life. <laughs> and that's actually where we ask you guys. Where, where, are you, where do you stand on the, on the morality question? Let us know what you think. Again, by going to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us which way you lean. The whole deathy death stabby thing that Nick's on, or not. While you're over at the website, what I'd also like you to do is I'd like you to also submit what you thought was good about this episode. There was so much good inside this episode. Let us know what you think by going again over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out yet another web form and tell us what you thought was good. Every episode of Friday the 13th comes with goods and bad. We've covered the goods. Now let's take a look at some of the not-so-goods. Nonsensicalness. All right, so this episode had some really dumb <laughs> moments. Let's, let, let me point just a handful oh, of them please out. please begin. Beginneth. Uh, so when... When, when White Cloud's sister shows up says, oh, you must give the rattle back to Grandfather. No, I can do so much good with it. Well, then guess what? He's going to perform a ritual tonight to take the power away. Why Whoa. are you telling him this? Yeah, whoops. The police will be there at 3.30. <laughs> Don't be in your apartment. Okay, gotcha. I'm, here's my thing. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with the fact that it's not, it's not Grandpa's going to call the police and tell them that you're responsible for mystically killing three people. That would have been even dumber. But the fact that she's telling him, hey, guess what? He's going to take all the power away. What you going to do about it? I mean, it's literally, she is responsible for her grandfather's death. Because if she would have kept her fucking mouth shut, Spotted Owl would have been able to do his ceremony. And possibly, we don't know if he would have been successful, but at least he would have been able to try and do the ritual. So I guess we got to string her up on the totem pole next to... Dr. Lamar. Well, see, she is suffering internally because now she's she's got she has no family. Mm. Granddad is dead, brother is dead, she's all alone. So mm. she's suffering enough. Mm. Another can't, can't she speak to their ghosts like Yoda does? Or like uh, like Are Luke you belittling or? the the faith and the beliefs of Native Americans? Uh no. Good answer. Another nonsensical thing. And this one was like I I'm what? So when Lamar shows up outside the clinic, oh, well, you know, the board was kind enough to let me deliver this myself. Okay, no. No. <laughs> and by the way, you're closed. It's a, it's a legal document. They're not going to let a doctor deliver a legal document. It would have to be delivered through registered mail mm -hmm. or, or at the very least, like a subpoena. It would have to be someone who would serve these papers to him. Your clinic is closed. The, the hospital has pulled funding. Yeah, and how about that quick week and a half turnaround on something like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't real, so. real quick. I don't because think so. because hospitals are in the, the business of closing down clinics that help take the pressure off of them. You know? Because where are the people who don't have insurance going to go? They go to the clinics. But even worse is that Lamar drops this, oh, well, you know, your medical license is gone, so <laughs> have fun not practicing medicine anymore. <laughs> what? You can't have a medical license taken away unless there is an investigation on the actual per White Cloud did nothing wrong in that situation at the beginning of the episode. He might have been a little bit judgy mm -hmm. about Lamar's techniques, mm -hmm. And his lack of bedside manner towards the unconscious patient that he was working on. But other than that, 
White Cloud didn't... Okay, maybe because he didn't listen to Lamar about clamping the artery, maybe there'd be cause. There would have been an investigation, and we didn't see any of that. Mm-hmm. So the whole, oh, you don't have a license anymore, so screw you. I, I'm sorry, that's just... I, I get we're trying to paint this guy as the asshole so that we all know that White Cloud's going to go after him, but you don't have to work that hard. It's Friday the 13th. We get that we're going to go after the assholes. They're they're either going to die or they're going to be tortured. Yeah, the window again there is also something. Someone to have their medical license removed is not just a, oh, here's your popsicle stick of what used to be your career. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't you don't get to do that like that. Yeah, there's just, just some of the nonsensical things in this episode just really annoyed the hell out of me. Some, not all, of the effects. All right, so Nick hated all the effects inside this episode. Because Mike doesn't listen to the introduction of the talking point. Because I said (laughs) some, not all. I loved all of the death scenes. Mm -hmm. They were all great. Mm -hmm. In particular, the uh, artery popping of... Artery popping was... I mean, that's straight out of Scanners right Mm -hmm. there. I mean, I was waiting for his head to actually explode like Scanners. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. No big deal. But it was cool. Uh, The nurse puking up the valve to her heart still attached inside of her mouth and it's beating i'm like all right that's some cronenberg level shit right there (laughs) but then there are some of the effects that just didn't they didn't blow my skirt up oh like what nick well when i think of a deadly native american rattle that's going to steal my life force i don't think of i don't think of it spinning in the air on very noticeable wires <laughs> probably the most egregious probably the most egregious problem yeah i mean that 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 was that that was bad yeah i guess it was the decision of the director and then the post production team but when i think of native american spiritualism i don't think of yellowish orange lightning spouting out into the air to to fight i'm i'm, I'm kind of okay on that I don't. I didn't have a problem with that. That the fireballs, I didn't have a problem with either, and that it was all fireballs were the, okay, and that it was all kept inside of the cavern. Yeah. I'm even more okay with it. It's the, the, I'm okay that, with that. That was that was all right. Again, I'm I'm not cool with non-force lightning. It, it just doesn't scream Native American to me. <laughs> and then another thing that I really thought could have used a, a a lot of of work if you were going to try to pull that effect off is at the end when Spotted Owl's spirit shows back up to take down White Cloud, you've got three heads of evidently past shamans as well backing Spotted Owl up with power. And they're obviously, like, really quickly put together maybe paper mache heads that just because it's a a, a small resolution... When it comes to quality of the episode on on a high tech screen that we have here in the studio, you can still tell how cheesy that looked. Yeah, it looked if, cheap. if you're gonna looked do cheap. something like that, put put an actor, get three freaking actors, grab three extras, paint them up, and put them in. At that point in time, would have been the blue the blue outfit to where it's just their head, and and use that effect. That would have been at least a little bit more credible than. The three floating Halloween decorations that they had behind Spotted Owl. So, yes, I didn't love all of the effects, mm-hmm. but I did love most of them. Yeah. I, and I, I join you in, in, in having most of them, and that especially the stuff that did happen inside the cave. I, I'm, I'm not nearly on board the uh, I hate me some yellow lightning thing. Because, I mean, like, what other kind of electrical thing are they going to show of... Native don't, Americans. Don't do electrical anything. Wind. How about fire? Fire's fine. I they told you fire. the fireballs were fine. All right. Wind. Give me wind. And put a little smoke in the wind so that you can actually see the wind moving. Gotcha. Nick hates yellow lightning. Got it. I do. I hate yellow lightning. Episode real estate. Not enough time. I think of the things inside this episode, especially considering the cultural stuff that was injected, the 
rich ability in storytelling that could propel, I think, several episodes that feature the rattle and or something else that is a bridge item for the rattle inside of Native American culture. And then just, you know, the impact that a doctor can have in general, whether it's in the hospital sector or inside of a clinical sector, I would really like to explore that. Mm -hmm. And I, I... what this episode suffered from in several spaces was things were done quickly and expediently because they had to be done quickly and expediently. Yeah. Rather than it's a it's a good piece of pace and storytelling element that's pushing the story across. I think that of the things that did happen inside of this, the snapshot of Mr. Harrison and Mr. Harrison's random black child saved from the neighborhood is probably the, the best sample. Hmm. Where what some total fifty seconds? I'll I'll double that. I think that if you take away the whole Harrison angle and you take away Blair, take that out, you've got enough room. This is one of those episodes that would have benefited from having less of our heroes mm-hmm. to where they're kind of reactionary on the sides. Mm-hmm. And if we're focused more on White Cloud, Spotted Owl, Lamar, and all of that stuff, and every now and then we check back in with, you know, the shop and, oh, look at this, another report of, you know, somebody dying in in a hospital. Hmm, that just seems strange. You know, I know somebody who works at Riverview. Uh, Maybe I'll go and I'll I'll talk to somebody. And then, you know, oh, there might be a cursed object here. Something like that. And we've had episodes like that in before. We we have. Mesmer's Bobble. That one one barely had Mickey, Ryan, and Jack in it. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, when they were in in there. Frankly, it had too much of Jack, (laughs) Mickey, and Ryan. It needed some more vanity in that, Needed nothing but vanity in that episode. (laughs) But, but yeah, I think this episode could have have been knocked out of the park had they gotten rid of the two subplots. And, I mean, I understand the Harrison one. Because White Cloud wants to have his own clinic. Right. 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 But again, we could have done something a little bit different had you gotten rid of the Harrison character. I think taking that element and and sprinkling that along with perhaps a a missing fourth element that could have propelled a series of episodes would have been a much better way to go with this. And I I know I would have enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, there's nothing to stop anything from propelling this item other than time. And they just ran out. Yeah. Well, those are the things that we thought needed some work during this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. But we want to know what you thought could have used a little bit of polish. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com, fill out the web form, and let us know what you think. We've got a push to break during this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We will be right back. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be ugh, rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time 
Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content, and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and an always educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 2, Episode 24, The Shaman's Apprentice. Every time we come back from break, it's time for Nick and I to showcase our manifest moments. A manifest moment is where Nick and I recognize either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element from inside the episode, or something else that trips our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what do you got? I'm going a little bit different here for my manifest moment. Oh. It, it, we're, I'm touching on something that we talked about during the goods and bad section. Mm-hmm. This doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the specific episode. It's the concept of a reboot. And... Why I bring this up during this episode is because of your comment of wanting to see multiple episodes dealing with the Native American culture Mm -hmm. and and stretching it out. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be cool if this series was rebooted as, well, let's just say Curious Goods, Mm -hmm. about a handful of people that are on the hunt to reacquire cursed antiques, and they end up interacting with people of all walks of life Mm -hmm. and cultures. Mm -hmm. And then we have these reoccurring bad guys, uh, the the cult who worship the witches uh, mm-hmm. from the episode with the coin, mm-hmm. uh, the, the voodoo folk, the Native Americans. We have got so much culture around us, and especially an interest, now. And an interest to, sh- to share and, and bathe in something different. I totally agree with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. To where the concept of rebooting this show... I mean, I don't understand why it's not being done. I mean, you've got a great premise. You have unlimited items. I mean, really, it's 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 the imagination of the crew that you put together to write your stories. Now that we have so much information about so many other cultures that are wrapped into our everyday walk of life, this would be a hit on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. That I, I find it sad that Hollywood isn't doing anything with it. I think it would almost be interesting, especially in the wake, and I mean, it's not like it's gone anywhere, but I, I know it's not nearly as prolific as it used to be. The concept of, you know, the Curious Goods Roadshow, where you take all of the elements and, and perspective and specialists that are wrapped inside of the Roadshow, the Antiques, Antiques Roadshow. Antiques Roadshow, yeah, yeah, okay. And that's what you do is you take this premise even though there would be a home base right, you'd where the have vault the shop. would be. Right. And maybe even a delivery staff that, that guard the items to and fro. Yeah. And then whoever our core of people is going to be that go and hunt. And then, I mean, it, it writes itself almost where you could go run through, if only you went through every single episode of Roadshow and you pluck 700 items of the what? several thousand that there's been over the course of however many years for Roadshow, I think it would be extraordinary. And for, for the, the, the love of diversity and the, the beckoning for other people wanting to know more about different cultures to become more accustomed and aware and mm-hmm. insert whatever else they want to throw into that, into that flag-waving stuff, that's cool. I, I'm with you. I don't get it. I, the only thing I can think of is like either someone hasn't pushed it or cares or I mean, obviously right now we're looking at COVID, so not a whole lot's getting made anyway. Well, true. But I, I, I think it's ripe. And that is my manifest moment. No, and I love it. I there's, I love everything. I almost want to make my manifest moment akin to yours where, yes, let's reboot this, ser- this series somehow. But that actually leads to my manifest moment. Real perspective being shared. Now, I want all of you to just hear me out before you either shut off the podcast or (laughs) choose to go listen to something else or go to one of the other podcasts that we've sent you to earlier in the episode. Inside of this episode, there is clear animosity, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, what I want all of you to remember, though, is that there's clear animosity 
from at least two different sides. Yes. Because while we can all pile on and say, boy, that asshole Lamar inside this episode, boy, you sure did hate him some some Iroquois Indians or whatever you want to put inside a perspective of him not liking White Cloud and White Cloud's effort, blah. Okay, we've got it. Clear. But you also have to remember and witnessed clearly that there was animosity from the Native American side towards the white man. Yes. Literally used the white man. Mm -hmm. I want that. Without it, it's disingenuous. It, it's totally disingenuous. Yeah. Uh, this, this bleeds into something we've talked about, I think, maybe once inside of our curious goods atmosphere. But it's the whole concept of when people watch an episode of Star Trek, regardless of when, doesn't matter what, what series of when, mm -hmm. but they always go, yeah, man, I can't wait for the day that we have Star Trek and, you know, everyone loves everybody and there's no money and, and everybody's just cool. Okay, that's not going to happen. I, I, I don't know. I hate to be the deliverer of bad news. What? <laughs> but the, no, nothing is like that is going to happen ever. Because there's always going to be a, a, a differing set of opinions, values, and most importantly, something we always step on inside of this show, perspective. Mm -hmm. And I want them. I want those perspectives. It's why inside of a reboot of this show, and what kind of struck me on this, this point here, is that inside of a reboot of this show, you need to have the, every perspective shared. Right. And then delivering that to the audience, and then let the audience make the decision of what's going on. Because- you have something completely different than just a show when you do that. When you take on compelling story writing, you take on great acting, you take on at least good special effects, which you and I both know would be awesome if it was refitted today. Mm -hmm. If it would be any special effects that we've seen inside of any of the Twilight Zone-esque now shows, Black Mirror, all of those shows, they have wonderful effects. And they're not budget lagged at all. They have a reasonable budget and can pull all that off. If they can put all that off inside of those programs, they could easily pull something off inside of Curious Goods that doesn't need to be super stair-stepped in regard to special effects. It's just got to have good writing, good acting, decent special effects, but it's got to have that perspective share. Mm -hmm. And then letting that, releasing that on the audience and let them make the call. I, I would love to see a reboot of this, but most importantly, as well as any other thing that we're watching, I want the, I want the, the perspectives delivered. And I think this episode does it in spades. This is a piece of the pie that I want to be able to eat when I come to Friday the 13th. And I think it's tremendous. That's where we ask you guys, what was your manifest moment inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you thought. Ah, the vocabulary, the words that make the brains go round inside of the Curious Goods podcast. Our first word is... Shaman. Thanks to our friends again over at visualthesaurus.com, shaman is described as... One acting as a medium between the visible and spiritual worlds. Practices sorcery for healing or divination. A very apt and straightforward notation here. Yep, yep. There are many references inside of comic bookdom that draw on a variety of different... Well, hell, one of the members of Alpha Flight is actually called Shaman. Shaman, so. right. <laughs> well, that's, why, that's why I mentioned it. Regardless of your interest in comic books, there are all kinds of references in regard to Shaman that are used. I think movies and television have likely pulled most of them to make their presence a portion of evil or the dark force that's represented inside of a television show. There was one that I think I was probably eight or ten. I think it appeared on ABC. And all I remember is that it was this blue power that was back then Indian based. And I, I can't remember what I was watching, but I remember it striking me deeply. There was a, there was a hospital in it. And every time that the power would evoke, there was this kind of blue hue color palette that was used. And I, I think it's incredibly effective. It allows for so many different avenues of storytelling. And again, this culture becomes something alien because except for maybe what you've seen inside of television and feature films, 
you probably don't have any lexicon at all mm -hmm. of what is actually occurring inside of any of these cultures. Our second word is... Soft tissue sarcoma. Still a devastating disease, even here now, 30 plus years later. However, inside of recent research, what we find is that instead of a 1% survivability rate, in a five-year aspect look at soft tissue sarcoma, we're now looking at an 80% chance of fostered life past five years. Mm. It's also something that I think a lot of people... Oddly enough, I learned this mostly from the episode that we referenced inside the front end of this episode about the uh, veterinary, the veterinary oncology yeah. lady that was on, who was incredibly smart, by the way. Every every moment that I listened to the podcast, I started feeling dumber. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't consider myself a stupid person by any chance where I can hear all the words and I even understand and comprehend most of them. Mm -hmm. It's just that she lays on so much information and detail. You've got to listen to it more than once to get most of the context of what she's talking about. And it's thick. It, and what she talks about is a lot of people under the impression that all of the cancer research and the cancer fundraising and everything else that goes on over the years, it's like, well, when is it we're going to have a cure for cancer? And you have to remember that it's never been about finding the cure. It's been about making sure that the quality of life that people that have it and are going to get it is sustained at a level that is acceptable. And then eventually there is the want to find a cure. Obviously, yes. But all of the research that goes into it, especially inside of that from animal to people to the cross-platform stuff that happens between those two, that's all based on a life expectation. Not that you beat it and now you're recovered and now you go on your way forever. That never works that way with cancer. There's always the check where you've got to go back regularly to make sure and check yourself up, make sure you visit with your doctor and make sure that the symptoms aren't coming back, all that. And so when we talk about cancer and survivability, it's always based on an aspect of, in the case that we found on the internet and what's used inside of that episode, it's a five-year aspect of what's what, what, what are the expectations. And so now, instead of what I'm assuming was a guesstimate and maybe isn't real back then, which was 1%, Again, now cross path over the span of five years is 80%, which is huge. It's a, yo, yeah. It's, it's amazing. And the, the leaps and bounds that medical technology and especially cancer research has taken in these 30 plus years is amazing, magical, shaman-like stuff that we are so very appreciative of. That's where we ask you guys, what other vocabulary words do you remember from this episode? Let us know what you think by going to our website. Again, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what words you thought of during this episode. Episode rating. It's time for the rating for this episode. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap magically surviving your visit to Riverview Hospital. A one is on the bottom of the scale. It's totem time for you inside of Dr. White Cloud's cave lab. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? I have to admit, watching the episode, I had... Less expectations as the episode kept going because of the, well, the bads that we listed earlier in the mm -hmm. episode. Mm -hmm. I wanted to like this episode, and those things just became hindrances for me because it's like they just kept pulling me down. Uh, luckily enough, then we we do this podcast, we talk about it, and my level of enjoyment rises slightly because it's a 30 plus year old show mm -hmm. you gotta give it some some a little bit of slack mm -hmm. uh the message was there the the underlying tone of the episode was there so what was actually going to be a less than average episode for me turned into an eight i think that's a great call for this episode I always take the value question at heart when mm. I try to tell people about what I rated an episode, especially one like this there, where it's it's filled with things that I liked a lot. Right. And 
especially when I think of how much more value it could deliver in, say, a reboot of the series. Yeah. And the episode makes me want more yes, from it. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, just about any, any, any frame of reference in television, I think it's why I like to podcast about streaming media and television stuff in general, is because, one, it's longer form, mm-hmm. and especially for what was the traditional television show, they don't make traditionally an episode where the characters that are featured don't grow or go someplace. Mm-hmm. And so you have a longer span to grow them. That's right, the, right. that's the benefit. It's not a, it's not an hour and 55 minute shot and see ya <laughs> and everything's over. There's, there's something else to go back to. And so when we can have something like this, whenever, whenever as a, as a critic, I can look at it and go, man, wouldn't it be cool if in the storytelling they, and then I come up with something. Right. That's when I know something's got me, and this has got me. This this context and this sample totally has me in, in, in what it's doing, and I would love to see it revisited. So there's that. There's that impact. There's the impact of the chemistry set that you've already referred to in regard to storytelling and what we just got done watching. Again, for those that don't know, Nick and I actually sit and watch the episode before we actually do the podcast yeah. every time that we do this, which is pretty rare. I, I, I think... With it, with the exception of maybe some perspective reviews where we've we've watching a movie and then podcasting about it, or other hosts over the years where it may even be more than one episode of some television show that we've watched over a period of time, the watching part does not usually happen in tandem where mm. we take the time to watch the episode and then immediately podcast about it. I really do prefer it. I, I wish that there was a way. I wish that we were built right now. To do things more like that, I just know that my schedule isn't it doesn't accommodate a whole lot. Like right, that. right. Uh, although the watching party thing feature that they now have inside of Netflix, which I have not investigated but would like to, that kind of to me sounds like it's almost a platform for exactly what podcasting way back in the day should have been. There was something called overcasting that I participated in, and I did four episodes of The Shield with that way back. This is when Hulu was only just a whisper and a rumor. Hmm. And that was going to be the great white hope of overcasting because what overcasting would allow you to do is that anybody that would get those episodes from whatever the source was on Hulu, they could then, as a selection, import, what, uh, import say, my commentary for that episode. And as long as you had an overcast account, you could deliver that to anybody that wanted to listen. Interesting. Yeah. It was a very interesting model. The technology just didn't work that way. And then, of course, you get into the licensing and everybody getting their piece, and that kind of just kerfluid the whole concept. But I did four episodes of The Shield like that, and, man, that was a ton of fun because it's exactly what you think. Instead of hearing the production designer or the director of the episode or Michael Chiklis, what you get is my perspective on what I'm seeing and taking in as a viewer and then my commentary about it live with the episode. When it's all said and done, I also give this episode an 8. That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Let us know what you think by going to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you rated this episode. All right, another episode in the... (coughs) Another episode in the book. Sorry, I got a sore throat I'm dealing with here. Now take over for a minute, William. Uh, well, another episode in the in the. Well, Mike, you know I can I could probably help you with that cough. Oh yeah, what's that? Well, I as as I've said during this episode, I have a large amount of Native American heritage. Oh, and I have collected a variety of Native American artifacts, and oh, one excellent. of them. Wow, that's great. One of them just has happens to be a Native American healing rod healing rod wow that yes. sounds cool it is it's very cool i keep yeah. actually i keep it with me it's oh authentic it's, wow very i mean it's very convenient that i mm. have it with me isn't True. it that's very convenient uh what i especially need especially for do, this episode that's right, amazing I, that you I, have I, that for this episode i mean come on the stars align when the stars align they do so they what do. i want you to do is i want you to lay down on this on on the desk mm. here okay. yep Move the right. mic out of the way. Yep, there you go. All right, lay it down, got it. And I am going to use the healing stick. Oh. And I am going to hit you with that. Wait, hitting? Oh. Ah. 
if anybody's looking for a sure thing when it comes to the healing business, you know where to find me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. I miss a lot of the mystique that was developed in that era of television programming because there was a lot of really, really good ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The thing I take from it is, you know, Max Hedrum is exactly the same position where I think Max Hedrum would have a great run right now because it all plays into type completely. Mm. I think if Max Hedrum was rebooted today, it would be more focused on social media and Mm -hmm. the call out culture. Mm Mm-hmm. And things like that. I don't think it would really, depending on what studio was doing it, it might have a political lean. Yeah. My, my, my point is this, is that it, the, the expose nature of what happened in Max Headroom is perfect for anything. It doesn't matter what lean is. It could be any lean. But the, well, you the have expose to have the nature balance is Because there. Max mm-hmm. was definitively Republican while... Matt Frewer's reporter character was more democratic, I guess you would mm-hmm. say. I mean, if you really want to put the labels on shit. Mm-hmm. Edison. Edison Carter. Edison Carter, yeah. yes. Okay. All right, so this is Is that is enough the... for your, your sound check? That is enough for the sound check. Good. All right. I'm not speaking anymore. Fine. <laughs>